Welcome to episode number 92 of Live Transform. Jim, Audrey, it's good to be together. It really yes, is. And I'm excited about this direction for this 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 podcast today uh-huh. because this is about how life hits you and what do you do? You know, Jim, yep. I just want to thank you for all that we've done these last few episodes about being filled with the Spirit, being yielding to the Holy Spirit. All of these incredible, just new understanding of harmonizing with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But last week you talked about that you're re-recording your How to Stop the Pain series. And this has been one of the most influential things in the secular world and in, in the Christian world about how to really, how to deal with life when offenses happen. Yeah, absolutely. So there is nobody in the world that's immune from this. We've all been offended. Well, I think if you're in a relationship, if you're, you're going to wa- offend one another. Hey, if you're walking down the street, you can be offended. It happened to me last week. It did, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I will get into it. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> That was well, just weird. <laughs> you know, it's like what? What was that? What was that joke about? About the guy that was uh, was kind of talking about church members in church. Boy, you can get a lot of offenses in church. Yeah. And they find this guy on this on this desert island, you know, and uh, and uh, they start talking to him, and they and uh, they say, well, "Well, what's that building up there?" And he said, "Well, that's where I go to church." <laughs> and they said, really? And he said, oh, yeah. And they said, well, what's that building over there? And he said, that's where I used to go to church. I got mad at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's, that's about the way it is. <laughs> that's not even funny, but it is funny. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about pain and offenses. And yeah. uh, people, are, people are looking for a utopian solution to life's issues. A utopian solution is you know is an idealistic solution or supposed solution yeah fantasy presents solution. an idealized uh perfect problem solved ans- questions answered solution you know where everything is perfect and the idea that anywhere in this life that there's anything that can be perfect that there's anything that can actually function in a group the way God would really have it to function is pure idealism. Hmm. And that idealism uh, in, in Christianity is the cause, really, to some degree, for so many of our offenses. And so many of the things that we get mad about, you know, about with other people uh, is not because of what they have done. It's because they didn't do what we wanted them to do. You know, I've had people tell me that when I was a pastor. Uh, they'd get mad, leave the church, and I'd go sit down, and it's like, I remember I had one woman, I'm just thinking of one woman in particular. She sat down, and she said, well, you know, actually, you never really did anything to me or did anything wrong. You just wouldn't do what yeah. I wanted you to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so she was mad about it. She, you know, she you know considered what? it that an is offense. so true. Yeah. You just, I had an expectation of you and you did not do it. Well, and that's, you know, in relationships with couples. Yeah. They get themselves in so much trouble <clears throat> yeah. because of unfulfilled, unmet expectations that pr- primarily were unspoken. Yeah, oh, and absolutely. not only did you not do this, but you didn't do it on my schedule. Like, didn't we have this on a schedule? <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, Bob. <laughs> oh, that was a little close to home. Whoa. Okay. Bob. Oh, Jim. In, in, marriage, in Jim. marriage counseling, Jim. it's like, yeah, every, every Saturday. Help me. Like, Help me, Jim. He just gave me the look like, are we going there? schedule. <laughs> no, but it's true. We do no, that. You for love each other. your schedule. Do you? Really? No, you love your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things about about pain, and and first of all, Jesus said, "It is impossible not to have offenses." Mm. Uh, you know, it's just yeah, exactly. The the person that believes that the right political party is in. The person that believes if you're in the right denomination, the person that believes if you're married to the right person, you know, that 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 you will not have offenses, that person uh, is 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 delusional. I mean, they're mm -hmm. absolutely delusional. They're mm -hmm. trying to have something that Jesus himself said you could not have in his life. And I think a, a lot of times when people then are offended, then rather than dealing with the offense, they'll just walk away from the relationship. You know, yeah, rather absolutely. than maturing or, or growing through it, then, oh, then we just must not be meant for each other. It must not be a good fit. You know, the, you know, the humorous illustration, you know, that you shared, you know, to begin, to begin the podcast, you know, of, oh, yeah, that's the church I used to go to. Right. You know, so the whole thing is, is I'm offended, so I'm going to choose not to associate or be with you. Right. Now, you know, the interesting thing about offenses, and I'm going to go, I, when I teach this in seminars, I don't hit people with this the first minute like I'm going to do right now. <laughs> but the, these people You're in this special podcast, listeners. They, they are special. They have been making this journey with us. These are exactly. not a bunch yeah. of namby-pamby Christians. If You know, if they have hung in here this long with us, <laughs> these are people that are really, really saying, you know what, I'm going to hear what I need to hear. Yes, yeah, exactly. give it to me. One of the reasons it is impossible to not have offenses is because the reality is offenses are not created by other people. We create the offense. Mm. Now, Jesus does say, you know, woe to them through whom offenses come. But that concept does not mean that they actually did something that should be offensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, <coughs> that is the most profound thing right there. It's very true. The offenses are, I'm going to say it again. They're not created by the other person because that is the, that is 99% of people think it's all about what that other yeah. person did. It's the judgments it's, that I've attached it's the, to it exactly, and the meaning and significance Bob. I've given to it. Bob, that's so well said. If, if the offense is, in, through or by or in somebody else, mm -hmm. then the only way to rid myself of an offense is by what that person then does. Do they come and apologize? Do they come and admit that they're wrong? Do they, you know, uh, have remorse? And do they ask, you know, for, for forgiveness? None of those things may ever happen. And, and one of the reasons those things oftentimes never happen is because that person actually didn't do anything wrong. You know, sometimes when people come and start talking to me about some big offense, sometimes I'll say, okay, uh, well, an offense is something that makes you stumble. So, so if we're going to look at what makes you stumble, let's see. First, okay, there's trespass. You know, there, there's, there's all these different Greek words for sin. 
So one of them is a trespass. So a trespass would be like somebody has violated your boundary. So tell me what boundary they violated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like, well, no, well, they didn't really, you know, no, they didn't really violate a, a boundary. I mean, they didn't really force their will on me. But all of a sudden they're stuttering, I don't know. And so, you know, I'll go, so I'll go through these questions. I'll say, okay, so what, what insult did they do? You know, and I'll just go through these questions. And so many times this person who like, they're like standing on the edge of a chair with a rope around their neck tied to a pipe, getting ready to jump off the chair and hang themselves because they're in such misery, pain, agony. And the truth is they can't really identify one concrete violation hmm. that, was, that was committed to them. Hmm. So if there isn't a concrete violation, then how did, how did this offense... This thing is making you stumble at life. This thing that's making you ready to give up on God. This thing that's making you so frustrated that you can't find happiness. Uh, if you can't really come up with a true offensive thing that they did. In other words, something that was aimed at making you stumble. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people who's going to do that. There are pe- those, those kind of offenses yeah. will come. Yeah. But they're almost non-existent. Well, Bob and I, though, just help me with understand this then, Jim, because what we do with couples in, in a lot of the crisis, you know, counseling that we do, there has been an obvious, yeah. there's been a betrayal. There's been something that sure. is, feels like it's very much against me, and it is a trespass, and they did cross a boundary, and it is an insult against our relationship. What do you do about that? Well, then, then in a where there's commitments to each other, then obviously on both sides there are things that need to be done. But the real truth is, even in those situations, that other person's actions will not relieve what's going on inside of you. Yes, exactly. Yes. So most times, you know, you take in a marriage, I mean, you know, you guys can use your own marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if you guys were the typical couple then every time you all face some big challenge, Bob would throw your past in your face. Right. Bring up the past. Yep. yep. And use uh, it know, as a weapon against me. Uh, because, and because that would be an offense of convenience now. You know, mm-hmm. One time it was an offense of pain. But now it's a, it's a tool. It's an offense of convenience that I can use when I need to manipulate you. And so... so so the truth is, if I, again, if I am hoping that that other person coming to grips with all this is going to end my pain, it's not because I'm probably going to hang on to this offense for as long as I can get some mileage out of it. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so if the one thing that I have control over is me, and that's the only thing that I have absolute control over is me. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit, we talked about this last week, if I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit, there's no dimension of my life that I can't bring into to, uh, to alignment with my choices. You know, these people that say, well, I try and it just doesn't ever work. Well, okay, uh, I can understand that. But if, if you surrender this to God, you, you learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. There's not going, not going to be any. There's not going to be any trying. There's just going to be doing. So, you know, Bob kind of said it, and that is this: 
the, the offense, if what another person does, if it doesn't violate my will, if it doesn't, uh, if it's not, in, doesn't have, they didn't intend to insult me. It mm-hmm. might have been insulting, but they didn't intend to. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, uh, uh, if they didn't try to hurt me, uh, I mean, you know, you can just go down the list. Then why is this affecting me? Well, it's affecting me because of the significance that I attach to their behavior. Mm-hmm. Short and simple. Mm-hmm. Now, people will argue with you that on that all day long. Is that is that no 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 that that's not really it. Because they don't want to realize that the degree of pain that they're going through is more related to their responses than it is to the other person's actions. So that's kind of the starting place of pain. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, what, what that says about myself so I've, I've been offended, you know, something has been done, said, however, I've, I've passed the judgment, I've, I've placed the significance and the meaning on it, but what it, what it says more is, is the, what it's saying about me, mm-hmm. you yep. know, more than about the other person or about even the agreement of the relationship. All of a sudden, now... I'm allowing it to really impact yeah, and influence right. my dignity and my worth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see, and then that's where it hurts. Sure, it hurts, and that's where and, the pain and I'm, is. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm in the pain, and then and then I'll blame the other person. It's because of you. I'm this way. You know, one of the things that that golly has said. Has, you know, I've been a, I've been a pioneer all of my Christian life, and honestly, you know, things that I did. Uh, and I didn't know, I wasn't trying to be a pioneer. I just, you know, uh, things that I did the first year that I was saved was was not acceptable in the Orthodox Church. But, you know, 10 years later, they'd be the rage. Like, like suddenly everybody realizes this is great. I, c- I can remember when I started using the New International Version of the Bible. And I'm telling you, and I, and I, you know, I went to a, another because tra- I, I read all the translations all the time. Every every month, every thirty days, I'd read the entire New Testament in a different translation every month. And because I was looking for conceptual information, I wanted to see what this looked like in real life, you know. And uh, so, I, you know, I finally came to this realization: well, people need to hear the gospel preached from a Bible that makes sense to them. Because mm-hmm. one of the biggest complaints people had was they didn't understand the King James. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, I am telling you, I was ridiculed to scorn. I mean, there would be preachers that would just say, you can preach here, but, but no other translation of the Bible is ever going to be read from this pulpit. You know, so, so don't bring up that, that Bible you use. And um, <clears throat> uh, I mean, I had people that wouldn't let me preach. But what was interesting is 10, 15 years later, everybody, mm-hmm. you know, went to easier to understand translations right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so being a pioneer and, and i mean those are just minute things that you know but being a pioneer i always was in situations where there were incredible opportunities for offense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know my, my first pastor told me i just i'd been saved about 18 months and 
And, you know, I was out leading people to Jesus and laying hands on people. And I'd never seen that done. And he, was, he gave me some of the wisest counsel I've ever heard. He said, Jim, you need to leave our church. He said, because if you don't, you're going to encounter so much resistance that mm-hmm. eventually you're going to get bitter and mm-hmm. you're going to lose what you've got. He, said, he, mm-hmm. he told me, he said, everybody in this our church needs to be doing what you're doing. He said, they're not going to, and they're not going to be satisfied with you doing it. That, what he, a loving, loving thing for him to tell you. Yeah. And he told me, he said, you need to go start something that is church that doesn't look like church. So back in 1973, actually, I, I probably started sooner than that. I, actually, I did start in 72. 1972, I was already starting home groups when nobody in, in America even knew what a home group was. And again, I got so much flack for that, trying to divide churches, trying to, you know, yang, 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 yang. No, I was just trying to win people to Jesus, make disciples. Mm-hmm. But the long and short of that, constant opportunity for offense because there was always somebody criticizing me, judging me, you know, what, what, whatever, the, the, the whole thing. But uh, <clears throat> the amazing thing was that you know, even back then, even though I would get mad, particularly in the early days because I was a young Christian and, and I'd want to give in to my flesh, but for me, giving in to my flesh, and I, <laughs> I know this sounds so redneck. A lot of Canadians tell me, I don't know what you mean when you say redneck. Well, here would be an example, you know, going redneck on somebody. And I actually told a preacher this one time. I said, you know, you're all up in my face here. And I said, you don't understand. I said, if you backslide, you're going to say a couple of cuss words. I said, if, if I backslide, I'll probably break both of your legs. I might burn you. I might blow your car up and I might burn your house down. You do, you do, you do not want to be up in my face like this because, you know, you ain't ready to go there. So that, that, that explains redneck behavior. And I, and I know that sounds bizarre, but that was my background. That was, you right. know, that was, that was your of, normal. That was my normal. So, so God began to teach me how to deal, you know, with, with potential offenses early thank on. God well, thank God. That, Good yeah. thing. <laughs> but one of the first things I came to understand about dealing with offenses is, is this. People do not do what they do because of anybody else. They do what they do because of who they are and what's going on inside them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it became hard for me to justify reacting like a complete pagan idiot for something that I realized wasn't even about me. Mm-hmm. It was about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... So, you know, I, you know, I kind of got to go on this journey of, of learning how not to be affected, you, you know, by offenses. So, you know, the first thing I learned, it's not about me. It's about them. This is a manifestation of who they are. Now, mm-hmm. think about that. I don't want to drift too far off a point, but just think about that even in a marriage. Yeah. See, we think in a marriage that because we've entered into this quote, quote, covenant, that suddenly the rules change and suddenly this this makes this makes what goes on between us an exception to what the bible teaches about communication and and relationships and love and this sort of thing but i have to realize even with my spouse if if brenda does something that i don't particularly like or that i that could be offensive you know 
Yeah, if she's if she's mad enough, it could be about me. It could be deliberately directed toward me. But the honest truth is, very seldom is anything that she ever does about me. It's about whatever she's going through that particular day. Just like what I do is not really about her. It's about me. Now she may she may be the one that gets the brunt of what I'm going through. That still doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's about her. It mm-hmm. just means that it just means she happened to be there whenever I finally decided the last straw had landed on the camel's back and I was gonna and I was gonna you know react to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the problem comes in understanding how offenses or how pain begins. Like I said, we attach significance to another person's behavior. Now, significance, as Bob said earlier, significance is a um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Significance is um, uh, a common uh, a, a conclusion, you know, reaching a conclusion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of a judgment. Mm-hmm. So a, a judgment is passed, and then that judgment leads me to a conclusion. That conclusion determines the significance. Mm-hmm. Now, judgment is about choosing good and evil. And it's about choosing good and evil, uh, independent of God, and really even independent of, of God's Word. And so what we do in our relationships with people, we very seldom actually focus on what they did. We pass a judgment to determine if what they did was good or evil toward us. Not based on what they did, but based on what we assume their motive to be. Hmm. So, so I'm trying. I'm trying to get to the point of you know when somebody does something, and it, of course all this happens in a nanosecond. I'm yeah. trying to. I'm trying to decide. You know, wh- not what they did, why they do that, and what what mm-hmm. was their true intention. Yeah. So I'm trying to decide: did they mean that for good, or did they mean that for evil? Well, <clears throat> judgment then, whichever judgment I land on, and it doesn't matter if I decide something good or something bad, it's still judgment and it's still wrong because, because we are not supposed to judge people's motives. There are things we're supposed to judge, but we are not supposed to judge people's hearts, people's motives. God's the only one that can see all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. But the moment I decide that your intention or your motive was evil, in other words, something to hurt me, something you know, to cause me pain or something to insult me or whatever, then what happens is that significance that I attach to it is how it affects me. Not your intention, not what you actually did, but the significance I attach to it. And all that happens that fast. Yeah. And and also, even the person that it's coming from, you know, whether it be a parent yeah, uh, you know, a school teacher, you know, somebody that has significance or authority in your life. Yeah, you know, so that their words and their actions just carry that much more weight to them. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes from a relative or something, it's just like, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to be safe with you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and the, and I'm experiencing <clears throat> this. Even that, you know, compounds and adds, you know, greater significance to the, either the words or the actions that are being experienced. Absolutely. And then, then there's another interesting phenomenon. You know, there's an Eastern quote that I use, and some people get mad because I'll use an Eastern quote, you know. 
But but the, the Eastern quote is this. I will not be offended. No. There you go. Uh, well, see, those people that do pass a judgment, they assume mm-hmm. that the reason I'm doing that is because I'm pro-Buddhist or pro-something. No. You know, even we have a saying down south. This is a redneck thing. Uh, the, the, the saying is, even a blind squirrel finds a nut occasionally. <laughs> and so... You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it I'm doesn't. Sorry. That's a good one. <laughs> There's a I'm lot just, of depth I'm in just, that. I'm just getting the visual. You know. I know Bob and I are both when, very visual when, people. When you see that squirrel, that little blind guy around the yard, yeah. you wonder. Eventually, you know, he's gonna find one. I just, I'm rooting for the blind one. You know, I hope he finds and, that and the nut. The point being that even people that don't know God often have insights that are very consistent with God's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and I don't care where it comes from. I, if it if it's if it makes sense and it will help people understand something because it's congruent with God's word, you know I'm I'm going to use it. So yeah. this quote is that 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 um, how's it? Pain is unavoidable. Suffering is optional. Right, right. So you know something can happen and it can cause us an instant or instance of pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. The question is, what we do with that determines... See, pain passes. Mm-hmm. The body, the mind is designed that when pain comes, we have natural ways to get rid of it. matter of fact, when you sleep at night, one of the things that happens when you sleep at night is you actually go through a process of letting go of emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why one of the reasons sleep is so important. And so, so there's all kinds of natural ways you can get past pain, but... There are some things that we do that means we will not only never get past the pain, but the pain will grow. Yes, and you turn know, into suffering. Yeah. And, you know, suffering, you know, my concept of suffering is suffering is, suffering is something that grows in, um, in quantity and quality. In other words, it gets stronger and it lasts longer. Whereas pain can just come, go, it, it, you know, it's over. So, you know, Jesus said, judge not, Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. And everybody tries to apply that to God. And we, we won't go too far in that today for time. But what I want to focus, focus on right now is, number one, he's not, he's not saying God's going to judge you more because you judge. Uh, we know scripturally, and we'll talk about this later, uh, that, that, that in context, that's talking about man. But he then makes the statement with this. He says, uh, for with the measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you again. Now, that's the exact same phrase that Jesus used in the parable of the sower and the seed. Uh, you know, with the measure you meet, it's measured to you again. And it says, so to him who has... He gets more, and to him who doesn't have, even what he has is taken away. Now, that's a really poor translation of the concept that happens in the Greek because it's not, it's not anyone outside of you taking it away. It's, it's, it's the, the natural course uh, that happens because of what you, what you do. It's, it's like saying, it's like saying uh, the rain cause the grass to get wet <laughs> you know the, the, the so, so the rain didn't decide to make the grass get wet because the grass was there and the rain was falling the grass got wet so it's talking about something that happens around universal natural laws 
that has mm -hmm. nothing. You know, universal laws, you don't have to have faith for them to work. Whether you believe them or don't believe them, they work. But also in universal laws, God doesn't have to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Universal laws are set in place to help us if we know them and operate within their boundaries. Mm -hmm. But if we abuse them, these universal laws that not only govern the laws of physics, but govern emotions and, you know, and, and the thoughts and all that kind of stuff, uh, these universal laws, they have consequences when you violate them. Mm-hmm. So what's measured to you, and, and, and you know, in other words, what I pour out about something, and you could say in, in quantity and in quality, determines what is poured back into me or onto me. So he's saying that when you pass one of these judgments, what you experience, what comes back to you is totally independent of that other person's actions. Hmm. Now that's hard. That's hard for some people. Yeah, yes, to grasp. as a bit of a mind bender. Yeah, because you're saying no, it is about their actions. This right. is what this is what they did. Okay. But you're bringing a very good extreme separation here. This yeah. is an important separation. Yeah, because you say yes, and what they did, if if what they did truly violated. God's word toward me, then I could say, yes, they caused me some pain. But th how much pain and how long it goes on has nothing to do with what they did. It has to do with the judgment that I measure out concerning that pain. So what's going to come back to me is going to be an exact harmony with what I've poured out. Another way to understand it is this. See, the law of sowing and reaping is, the, is one of the most consistent uh, universal laws that people expose themselves to and violate and suffer because of it. The law of sowing and reaping is based on what it says in Genesis that every seed bears after its own kind. So the law of sowing and reaping says you cannot plant peaches, peach seeds and expect watermelons to grow. You cannot ex plant corn seeds and expect tomatoes to grow. What's going to come back to you is going to be exactly what you plant, but one seed never produces one, one, one piece of fruit. Yeah. It always comes back down, pressed down, shaking together, and running over Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that means if you operate this to your good, life just gets better and better. That's why Jesus mm -hmm. says to him who has, who has what? Who has one seed planted? He's going to get more than one seed back. To him who has not or to him who doesn't plant the seed, he's just going to keep getting less and less and less and less. So the, mm -hmm. so the law of sowing and reaping says, and it's a universal law, it does not require faith to work. It does not require God to take action. It just says... Whatever kind of seed you sow and however much of this seed you sow is going to determine what kind of crop grows and how much comes back to you. No, no. I, 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 people are hearing this. I am writing down because basically life is just going to keep getting better and better. It's just going to keep getting worse or worse. And it doesn't require your faith or your choice. It's basic farming. Like, we're talking about basic farming here. Yep. And we're talking about all of us have yes. experienced offenses. Yes, we yep. have. 
And so am I going to harbor this? Am I going to, again, am I going to sow seed in this soil? Am I going to water this seed? Because mm-hmm. I find that that's the first thing that happens. When I've been offended, I, it is a seed that has been planted. Now I have a choice to let that land into that soil of fear and then just start thinking about it. And every time I start thinking about it, I just water that seed and it grows. Yeah. yeah. And going back to you know how Jim began today's podcast saying, you know what, I typically don't start you know, a seminar right. with this. Inf- because this, for I think for many, it's like, wait, <clears throat> I have every reason yes. to be offended. Right. You know, I have every just cause. I can't... You know, and they can they can give you, uh, you know, example after example after example. And again, they're just projecting the the blame and and it really empowering the offense to limit their life. Yes. No. Because of this and because of you, therefore I am. Yes. And I think that we have already today made some very distinct separations that offenses are not created by the other person. They, I am the one that is yeah. creating the offense, and that like, is that is huge, and, and, and that is a separation, total paradigm shift. And see, the, here's the problem: the question that people ask is, "So you're saying this is my fault?" Responsibility no. is not about determining whose fault it is. Responsibility is determining who has the ability to respond. That's that's so right. And so it, it, here's this. Imagine this. Imagine you're sitting in a doctor's office because you have had a severe pain somewhere in your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the doctor says, OK, I've got this. I've got some medicine I'm going to give you and I've got a therapy that I want you to do. And, mm-hmm. and this physical therapy is going to be a little bit discom- uh, discomforting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and this medicine and then you've got to take this medicine. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, well, no. I shouldn't have to take the medicine and I shouldn't have to do the therapy because I wasn't the one that caused this. You know, I some I, you know, I was in an automobile accident where somebody pulled out in front of me. It was their fault. So really what you're saying is I'm not going to let myself get better because this is not my fault. Yeah. That's what we're really saying. And you're going to you know, one of the things people are going to grasp is why did Jesus say, and I'm, I got one, one very definitive thing we have to look at before we get out of here, but, but stop and think, why did Jesus repeatedly talk about that we had to forgive people in order to experience God's forgiveness? And, uh, and how many people don't get physically healed until they forgive somebody? And man, there's goofy theology all around that. But I'm going to tell you, the reason people are 30 years down the road, 40 years down the road, suffering, sometimes with physical illness and relationship conflicts, is because of what somebody did when they were five years old, and they're sitting there saying, I am not going to take the medicine and do the physical therapy to stop this pain because it's not my fault. Once you realize the absolute insanity of not taking responsibility for what's going on inside, not responsibility for causing the pain maybe, because maybe it really was something that you had Mm -hmm. no control over, Mm -hmm. but responsibility, you know, making the choice of saying, even though somebody did this, I 
can do something about it. But, but here's the thing I want to make sure we cover, because, because both of you all alluded to this and gave examples. You know, Audrey, you are talking about watering the seed. Remember, measuring, the measure you give to something is quantity and quality. Okay. So, when, so, so that watering the seed, that's not a one-time event. Mm-hmm. When we experience something and we assume to know why somebody did it, so we attach significance to it. Mm-hmm. So now this event that maybe should not even have caused any pain at all and wouldn't have caused any pain at all had we not passed a judgment. But we pass a judgment, therefore it's affecting us in exact proportion to our judgment. Now, <clears throat> meditation, which everybody meditates. I mean, people that mm-hmm. will fight me about biblical meditation, even though it's in the Bible hundreds of times, uh, and, and they'll swear meditation is of the devil. It's like, well, then we're all demon-possessed because we all meditate. You know, any time you remember or imagine or you know, think on anything mm-hmm. to the point that you experience those emotions as if it was happening now, mm-hmm. that's meditation. Yes. Now, after this event happens, I'm going to relive this event, this event many times in many ways. One way I'm going to relive this event is I'm going to go tell somebody what happened. So this means I'm going to rethink it. I'm going to re-experience it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go tell somebody about this event, you're never going to tell them what happened. You're going to tell them how it made you feel. Mm. And yeah. now that you're rethinking it and you're re-experiencing that, you're attaching new significance to it. So now... There's not only the original offense, but now the original offense has grown to what significance you're attaching to it now. Mm-hmm. And this is the watering that you were talking about. This, 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 this is this is the the the, the growing, the yeah, nurturing yeah, the, of this. This is yes. determining the quality of yeah. the uh, of this seed. How I'm going to yeah. doctor it, nurture it, and take care of it. And so, what's going to happen is. Every time I remember that event or tell that event, I'm going to change it Hmm. very slightly. So my memory of it is going to change. Therefore, my experience of it is going to change. Therefore, I'm going to attach new judgments to it. Mm -hmm. And that means this thing is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. Mm -hmm. Now, And it's not just that event. Right. But now you begin to attach another event right. over a period of time and another event and another event that just solidify to your own heart. This is not just what happens to me, but yeah. this is me. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it can get into changing your entire sense of identity, your self-worth. Yeah. You know, you know, the whole the whole shooting match. Now. <clears throat> so. The seed. We actually keep planting new seeds, you know, in that furrow. And so, you know, bitterness, anger, shame, uh, low self-worth, and, and, and they all keep producing. Mm-hmm. But now what's interesting is there is a, in the law of sowing and reaping, there is a much 
overlooked law that says you can't plant two seeds in the same furrow. Hmm. So if I have the seed of, of bitterness in my heart, I can't plant the seed of, say, joy. Okay. So opposite if, seeds. Yeah. If I have the seed of, uh, of unforgiveness in my heart, I can't plant the seed of mercy. If I have the seed of anger, remember Jesus said, you know, when you're angry at your brother without cause, uh, you know, the, you know the, how it affects your heart is a whole different thing than just being angry. And so I could have, I could have murder in my heart. And I can't, I can't get peace, you know. So there's all these things that you cannot get to grow in your heart because they will not grow in a furrow that has other kinds of seeds. Really, it, what that really comes down to is the seed that, the seeds of bitterness, the seeds of destruction are always, you remember the parable of the sower, the thorns and thistles that would grow up and choke the other seed out? Mm-hmm. That's exactly where these thorns and thistles and weeds and, and scrub bushes come from. They are the seeds that we have planted in our heart that choke the life out of what God is trying to do in our life. Yeah. Or in our, you know. yeah. Yeah. But they don't have to stay there. You know, that, we're out of time. But, but the, the takeaway from this, and the number one takeaway from this, and, and you might even think back and try to remember, okay, I was really got upset with this person. What did they really do? What were their actions? Mm-hmm. Not what I think they meant. Mm-hmm. You know, did they walk by me without speaking to me? And I decided it was because they didn't like me. They didn't return my phone call. I did them a kindness. They didn't do me a kindness back. So you, you reach some kind of conclusion. But first thing you might want to do is just determine how much of this is just my judgment and how much of this is actually what happened? And am I willing, even if they wronged me, am I willing to let my judgment go so that I can be free? You know what? I am so glad that we started this. I I think that we're going to be taking this for weeks to come in the podcast to come. But I, I, as you said, from the very beginning, there's no one that's exempt. We all have to deal with offenses And I've just been really camping in Isaiah 55 this week. So this is really special to me because, you know, basically it talks about how the rain and the snow come down from heavens and they water the earth, you know, it's all about farming. It's all about farming. But then it says this, that you, you know, the Lord's word, the words that are spoken today by the Holy Spirit, it will produce fruit and accomplish what it wants to. You will live in joy and peace, but where once there were thorns... Beautiful cypress trees will grow where once nettles grew, myrtles are going to sprout up and be beautiful. And all of these events will bring great honor to the Lord's name and be an everlasting sign of his power and his love. You know, so I just think that the scriptures, that's just one of thousands of scriptures that talk about this this whole understanding of this universal law that my life is just going to keep getting better and better when I'm walking in the spirit and I'm, I'm learning that this offense wasn't about that person, it's about mm-hmm. me. I get to, my life is just going to keep getting more and more full mm-hmm. of joy and peace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you, Jim. We've Good. enjoyed this. Oh, thank you. And 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 it does. It, you know, it just goes so well with uh, our previous episode number ninety-one. Yeah. You know, of, of walking in the spirit. Yep. Exactly, Bob. It just so very very well. 
And as we, you know, continue the journey together, I know that the Lord is going to really, you know, bring a place of healing for you. But today's your day. And you're going to be able to begin to identify these offenses. And again, make choices within your own heart. You know, that I, I may have misjudged. I put some significance somewhere. Yep. And and then I, I want to walk in mercy. Yeah, for I sure. I really want to walk in mercy. Hey, Jim, thanks again. We love again. you, Jim. Yeah, thank you for letting me be a part of this. And I oh, look forward, this is great. We're going to be taking people into solutions next I week. I know. I'm yep. very excited about that. Okay, have a great week, everyone.